you're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Today's guest on ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski is Kate Lambert. Kate is from the Second City, which is where I first met her. In Chicago, she worked with a cast of women whose names were all variations of Catherine, so naturally they became the Katie Dids. They got themselves a nice following and eventually all found their way out west where they created the opportunity for themselves to produce teachers for TV land. Kate is positive, focused, smart, and funny. In other words, another perfect guest for the podcast. Enjoy. I think I got really first off thank you so much for coming oh my pleasure thank you for having me you're welcome and I this is what I remember about you like when I first talked to you do you remember when it was of course it I was, was really, so excited to I meet was you. really excited really excited and I love that show it was at Second City on the main stage and you were so gracious backstage and I was like I like this person and there's a so this is what this is the feeling that I get uh, from you and also watching teachers there's 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 a buoyancy that you have. There's an effervescence that you have in the work that, that you do. And it's just a joy. I mean, I, I've never spent much time with you, but it seems like there's a joy to the work that you have. And there's a joy that you have about your life. Do, oh. is, that, is that fair enough to say? I, that is one of the nicest compliments I've ever gotten. Thank you so much. Does it, do you, does it, does it jive with what you, what, how you feel I about you? I think so. It's one of those things where I, this is the only job I want to do. So the fact that I do it and get to do it is so exciting and amazing to me. Right. So I have fun doing it. Did you ever think that you would do it? Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that we moved to Chicago. What, you said you said a suburb. Which suburb? River Forest. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Like, so I went to like Oak Park River Forest mm-hmm. High School. So. Mm. OPRF. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. No, I know. Because I taught Hebrew <laughs> school at the... Uh, what's it called? Oak Park Temple. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I had a ton of friends that went there. I love that. It's great. I it's, taught there for five years. It's That's amazing. I had no idea. No, I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Why would I tell anybody? Uh, but go ahead. So, so you, you I, moved to River yeah, Forest, so which I is gorgeous, there. by the way. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. So we moved there summer before eighth grade. And I had always done theater, like, you know, like school plays and things like that. and really loved it. And my parents, the first show my parents ever took me to was the Second City Main Stage. Oh my God. Do you remember who was in it? I think Colbert might have been in it. Then that was my cast. But was it, was it, it might have been, I can't, Take Me Out to the Balkans. That, I was in that cast. Okay, so then I was, would have seen you too. Yeah. That we, not, we're not sure because Joe Ruffner and I went through and tried to figure it out. And mm-hmm. it was like August of 1994. I think um, August of 94 I think it would have been earlier than that because I left in January you might have seen it at the tail end yeah or I saw a new show yeah I think it was like a, a cus- hybrid yeah, yeah yeah because we did the best of the second city the 35th anniversary show that next show so it went from yeah. that show which I think was taking me out to the Balkans yeah and then the next show yeah I think it was 94 mm-hmm. yeah so, so so I'm not sure so, so that was the that first show so- that you're what you ever parents, saw? My, like, well, that in Chicago. Oh, got it. Um, so, like, yeah, my parents, we went, we went to shows and stuff growing up. But that was the first show I ever saw. And so I remember seeing it and being like, this is amazing. I would love to, love to do this. But I never thought I would. And then throughout high school, I went and I saw so many mainstay shows. I saw Stephanie Weir. I, I saw, you know, people do all these different shows. And every single time, Ed Furman um, as well. And... I was always wanted to be up there, but never thought 
it was a possibility to be up there. You know what? That's exactly what I thought too. Yeah. Because uh, I'm from Chicago. I was born and raised in Chicago, and I remember seeing shows. And I, rem I, rem I probably saw Jim Belushi. Um, I remember seeing Megan Fay and Danny Breen and all these people that were iconic people. Yeah. George Wendt. I remember seeing Lance Kinsey, like all these people that I saw. Um, at Megan Fay for sure, because I was like, oh, I have such a crush on her, and she's just so unattainable. And the unattainable thing was this: I never thought that I would do. I never thought that I could do that. I always yeah. thought that other people do that job. Right, right. Because it was such a, it was just such an amazing thing. Like, and they make they make it look so effortless. And so, yeah, when I got to Chicago, it was kind of an accident when I came back from college because I was supposed to go to New York. But my plans fell through, and so after working at Marshall Fields for a couple of years, I was like, I need to, I have to do something. And I thought improv might be something I could be good at. Because I did, I was a theater major in college. Singer? Uh, yeah, loved to sing. Right. Um, and so I was like, you know, I think I, I think I could do this, or at least really enjoy it if I sucked. And I signed up for Improv for Actors at Second City, and that was it. Great. Great improv for actors. That started so many people out. Yeah. That really started a lot of people out. And it was great because it was like, you know, it came, there was like it, level A through E2. Right. But this was more for people who had theater training, et cetera. So it was, it was great. I loved it. I, see, that, that class started after I was there. That class started after I was there. And I always loved that because my training is, is, an, is an actor. Yeah. My training isn't as an improviser. Right. And I think a lot of people now and uh, I think a lot of people now I've, I've mentioned this before I was trained I was trained by actors right. when I was at in the training center at Second City the actors that were the people that were teaching were actors they weren't improvisers yeah so when you have improvisers teaching improvisers there's a piece missing and it's okay because that's just the way it is you know mm -hmm. the piece is what's the what's the the improv portion of that does that make sense yeah and so we miss it but those of us who have theater training are bringing in and going oh I see how this relates to that and I see how that could help me with that I see how that can help me with that yeah yeah and I feel like my theater training helped me with a lot of stuff it's like even like I, my senior year we did a, uh, we directed a one act and even in the way like you sit in a scene I feel like can sort of tell people like the power dynamics of right. it, etc. When you say sit in a scene, what do you mean? I think the person blocking. who is yes for blocking. I think the person who's always sitting in the scene always has the most power. It's the person who feels the need to have to walk around that has more to prove. I, I that's a character choice. Yeah. Right. It, mm -hmm. Right. It's a character choice. So know the power, knowing the power of blocking, knowing the power of movement, knowing the power of uh, spatial relationship, knowing the power of the topography of how you're moving across the stage. Right. Like knowing all those things. And when you are, when you don't have that information, you can't use that as a communication tool. Yeah. And it's, it's a, I think it is a great tool. It's like, um, yeah, that you, you know, a, a character who is weaker in the scene would be doing more of the pacing, would be trying to go to the person who's sitting, you know. Very interesting. Did you ever do the scene uh, Career Forum? No. So Career Forum was, uh, it was, Stephen Colbert was a, uh, Colbert was a, a, a career counselor, and it was a bunch of people sitting around, like, wanting to have a different career. Yeah. So uh, I know that um, 
I, I don't remember what I wanted to do, but I remember that Danello wanted to be a mascot for a team. Mm. I think that Amy wanted to fly, like uh-huh. like a like a flying like a bird, right? Like those Amy Sedaris, and he was moving around, but we were all sitting, so he had the power of the movement in order to snipe at us. Does right. that make sense? Yes. Yeah, and it can change. It's not always that, yeah. Right, right, right. But again, knowing that, because I think so many people walk on stage and become mindless about what it is that they're doing and mm-hmm. hope that shit's going to work out. Right. Uh, the episode that I watched last night was the end of a... Of a was, was the one with the drinking... Uh, that one was it? Uh, Thirty-one and done. Was it a birth the birthday party? No, no, no. It was uh, a, a, a smoking from the the pipe and who is going to be fired? Oh yeah. Were... So you saw the uh, finale of season one? Exactly. So yes, what's the finale of season one last night? So in that it was very interesting because you were all sitting in a circle talking. Yes. And that was a I I, I felt like well. That's that's interesting because it, there was a power dynamic in. And you know, I don't I don't do much directing television, but uh, uh, looking at that, looking at the power dynamic, even where you're sitting and to whom you're speaking, and there's just so much power in that that you learn from. You, you there's so much power in in that spatial relationship in where you're sitting that you learn from theater and improv that you just naturally bring into the work when you're lucky and blessed enough to be in front of a camera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's really cool to see, you know, we've gotten to work with a lot of directors, um, with teachers, and it's just so cool to watch what they bring to it and how they block things and that you're like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting. Well, it's interesting. The, the comment, I wouldn't have thought of that, I think is really interesting too because you did how many shows on main stage? Well, the funny thing about main stage is that when you saw it, I was... Uh, understudying? Yes, I was a permanent understudy. A permanent understudy? Yeah. So, uh, Holly Laurent left right. the main stage uh-huh. um, to, to move out to Los Angeles. Right. And I had been understudying Katie Rich. And so, um, I, I had been understudying Katie Rich, and so I was Katie's understudy. And then when Holly left, they asked me to take over for Holly. Um, and so, I, I finished the run for her. Got it. What, yeah. did, what did you get out of that? Oh, it was so amazing. You know, it was it was that thing that that kind of that dream I had had since I was, you know, first saw that show before 8th grade where I wanted to be up there. It's just the main stage is just different. I I had performed on that stage so many times with the touring company that, you know, the Monday night shows or whatever. And it was so funny that it was just it felt different that night when I had 30 hours notice <gasps> to memorize the whole show. Oh, one of those situations. It was one of those. Uh, well, actually, that was for Katie the first time. Uh-huh. And so I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So I I, I didn't have, I told my mom, I go, all I want to do is cry from the stress, but I don't have time. I don't have time to cry. No, 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 So no, no, I no. moved, I pushed the furniture out of my living room, mm-hmm. and I basically made it the stage. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when the lights go out, it's very specific blocking. You have to go out a certain door, and you can't mess it up, because you're going to mess up somebody else's entrance. They right. won't be in the right place. Right. So I basically ran the show repeatedly, like on, like on loop, and so just so I had it, I had it down. Um, and I just remember that night before I went out, I don't usually get stage fright, and I was nervous. Mm-hmm. And it went it went great. It's but, also about the people that are supporting you in that, too. Yes. I could not have had 
better support. Like everyone in that cast was amazing. Really amazing. Oh my god, they were the best. They, and everyone was so was supportive and kind. So it Katie, was Katie, Katie Rich, Rich um, uh, Howard Lorenz, SNL as a writer, right, right, and Edgar Blackman, right, Ross Bryant, Tony Newsom. Uh, it was just you know Steve Waltine. I love the people that. Uh, I, for me, it's about the experience of being on stage, and then you go because the ego says I'm going to be on main stage. Yes. And then what you don't realize is I'm going to be working with these awesome people. Oh yeah. People that you admire. It's yeah. It was so exciting, and you know they could not. And so I, I went in for Katie. Like I think for, like four or five times a week. I can't remember. And then I went in for her whenever she was gone. And you know I always looked forward to going back. I, it was just. It was so great. And the music director was Julie Nichols, mm-hmm. and she just writes the most beautiful music. And Matt Hovde was the director, right. who I always wanted to work with, and who I actually lived above for a couple years in Chicago. So it was just the best. You know, Craig Taylor. Right. You couldn't. Stage you it. couldn't have more amazing people to be surrounded by. And the, and the confidence that you walk away from, because you could walk into those sort of situations and having having uh, lack and and. A lot of people feel pressure over there. Right. I never felt pressure over there. I did not feel pressure because I never really wanted to. I was. I was. I loved every single day I was on that stage. Yeah. I loved being there, and I always felt like if it ended today, groovy, great. If it ended today, I've got what I want out of it, and that's great. Yeah. And I think that that I don't remember really having stage fright. I don't yeah. really remember having stage fright because it was like I was being. I was being held being held by these awesome people. Yes. Yeah. And the funny thing with me is I had it right before I went out. Like I like in the sense of not like fright, but it was like, you know, your heart is like boom, 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 boom. And then as soon as I walked out, I was fine. But it was that moment of going, you know, because I don't even remember at that point how long it had been since I'd seen the show. Like, I don't know, 27, well, I, don't, I don't know, 20, yes. 20 years maybe less than that 19, 18 years I don't know and I just remember being like oh my god I'm here I'm here I'm here right and it was just crazy to have that experience and then be like okay calm down (laughs) right for a moment you go I'm here and the I'm here feeling you have to have that feeling you've got to realize that you're here but it's a matter of what do you do with that feeling because if you say I'm here oh my god I'm here or if you go I'm here can you fucking believe that I'm here yeah and my mom and dad were in the audience it was so special and then yeah then going getting to do it regularly you know eight times a week right um, after Holly left was such an incredible experience too because I felt like I got I got the main stage experience performing wise. You know, I never wrote a show or whatever, but right. but I got to do that and it was just so amazing and I just remember thinking what a privilege it is like all these people come to see you to laugh, like right. to get away from their daily lives and like away from politics and news and and to come and like laugh at the it, politics and news. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, yeah, and and so that I thought was such a privilege. Right. And I and again to there's a there's a phrase that I love and people have heard it before. It's replacing ambition with gratefulness. The idea of it could be it doesn't matter where it is that you think that you're going. What matters is do you know where it is that you are? Like in that moment, I love that. are you aware? It's really a great thing. Yeah. And and because what you're going, what you're experiencing now, and you're on season three. Yeah, we're about to start season you're three. About to, about to start season three. So you've had three seasons of. Exec producing, producing, producing. 
Yeah, executive producers executive and writing. And writing. And uh, acting the show. And then we, we help with editing, too. But I'm talking about you in particular. Yes, all those things. Are you also directing? No, no. But I do have an interest in directing. Of course you do. You have to. Yeah. Um, so all those things right there to say, to, if, you're going to, if you're going to take those things and say, yeah, this is, this is one place to be, but what I really want to do is that, you're not living the experience of being where it is that you actually are in the moment that you're at that place. Yeah. And yeah. what a shame to be somewhere and to not know that, and to not know that you're there until you're gone. Yeah. No, I agree. That's that's very zen of you, by the way. It is. Welcome to my world. I mean, that's really good. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And and I think I I really feel like I did enjoy my time on it. And I and I always appreciated it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about even teachers. Yeah, and teachers too. Right. Yeah. I mean, teachers, the thing about, I don't know, like anyone who does what we do, is every job has an expiration date? Right. That's just the way it is. Right. And and so you better enjoy it while it's while you're doing it. Every job has an expiration date, so you better enjoy it while you're doing it. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's just, you know, I'm so grateful and feel lucky to be doing teachers. I really do. And, you know, it's hard work, but it's the best work. Is is and and here's another thing where you go that word work just really stands out to me. In, yeah. In that sense, because. I, I gotta say I, I don't know that it's work. Yeah. No, I know it and, is. And, 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 and uh, I don't know that it's work. It 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 makes me want there to be a different word for that. I know. I know exactly what you mean because it's like it's what you love to do. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's what you love to do, and you're doing what it is that you love to do. Right. And you're getting paid to do what it is that you love to do. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a different word for work, or, no, I know, no, it, there has to be another word for work. Because the moment that you say work, I go, oh. I know. I never, I, know. I never worked, a, I never went to work at Second City. I never went to work. And when I found myself saying, I don't, when I found myself saying, when I find myself saying things like, oh, I gotta go to work, I got I stop and I go, I just said work. Right. I never said I never called it work before. Teaching, performing, whatever it was going to be, and now yeah. I call it work, which means I I'm in a different plate and I have a different relationship with it. If you wore Spanx, David, it might feel more like work. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> You're like, that's we have every day. You're like, okay, this, is, this work is work. Part. This that's is work. work. Yeah, yeah, that's the work part. Yeah. That's the work part. I would, <laughs> that's the work part. And uh, so there's also those other things too. And I don't know if I've ever had a conversation with somebody about that, about seeing the work that you're, the work, seeing the work, but that's a different, seeing the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. seeing your work and looking at it from a place where you're, you're at peace with the way you look, the way you, you the way you look, the way you talk, the way you act. Do you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like all those things because you're certainly it's an existential experience. Your experience you're experiencing your work and then looking at it. Yes. And it's about your existence and it's about the way that you, you deal with you and who you are. Watching yourself in the editing room is very uh sometimes hard but also like actually a good learning experience because you can go wow i really thought i was doing it this way and then you see yourself you're like oh i wasn't doing it you know the way i thought it was getting uh relayed or whatever um so it's actually really interesting 
Right. And I think it's helped me become a better actor. Isn't that true of everything, though? If you go, oh, I really thought that I was conveying that, but looking back on it now, I don't think I was conveying that. Yeah, it reminds me of in eighth grade in gym class. They videotaped us doing gymnastics routines, and I really thought I could do a cartwheel. And then I saw myself, and I was like, why didn't anyone stop me? That's the whole thing. Why this didn't is humiliating. anyone? Oh, my God. It wasn't even, like, it wasn't even, like, close to a cartwheel. And right. I was so, like, I thought it was really good. It was a shopping cartwheel. Oh, my God. It was, like, frog. It looked like, it was, like, a sad frog. Got it. I know exactly what you did. You know, you know, know exactly what I'm doing. What I know exactly what you did. Yeah. And um, and I, after that, I was like, oh, I can't do cartwheels. <laughs> <laughs> or I didn't do cartwheels. I can, but I need more work with the cartwheels than I thought. I yeah, I think yeah. I need substantial. Yeah, yeah, substantial yeah. cartwheels. And it might work. be something that's way down on the bucket list for you. Yeah, you know, it's it's down there. It's down. I'll there. get there eventually, maybe. Yeah. You know, the word, the phrase "bucket list" wasn't a phrase until it was part of that movie. Really? Yeah, he invented. Rob Reiner invented that. He coined that phrase. He invented that phrase. He invented a bunch of phrases too. I know. I was actually thinking about him this morning. Um, I love him. I know, me too. Me too. I love him. He's just balls out. And to look at the career that he's had, uh, yeah. and the movies that he's had. Oh, I know. Rep- when Harry Met Sally is what I was thinking about this morning, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I was thinking, I'll have what she's had. I was that's exactly what I was thinking of because you know, Billy Crystal pitched that line and that's Rob Reiner's mom. Right. Yeah, and so I was I was thinking about that line and I was like, how cool that you have one of the most quoted and famous lines in movie history in one of your movies. And the bucket list line. Oh, and yeah. I'm, I'm Yam Yam Montoya, I'm here to that line. Oh yeah, I'm an Ego Montoya, you kill my father, prefer to die. That's his movie too, yeah. right? Yeah, that, it's a I mean, My God! Yeah, I know. And when you listen to him, I don't know if you ever heard about a podcast or just no. an interview, he's, he's, he's a he fucking swears like a sailor. He's just an amazing person. I've seen him twice out in L.A., and both times I have not said anything to him, and it has been the hardest thing of my life because I didn't want to bother him. Got it. Um, but When Harry Met Sally is one of my favorite movies. Have you time. ever gone up to somebody? Oh, yeah. I go up to people. And when, what do you say when you go up to somebody? Um, I usually say, I'm really sorry to bother you, that's but... Exactly, that's exactly... <laughs> I totally get that, yeah. But... Yeah. Um, and then I'll talk to them. I We were at a party um, for Florence Foster Jenkins, uh-huh. and we went up to Meryl Streep, and she could not have been lovelier. And it was... She she is someone who, like, everyone in my family have adored forever. Like, we watch all of her movies. And she, I told them afterwards, I go, she did not disappoint. She was everything you would want her to be. Uh, Simon Helberg, you know Simon, yeah. right? So he was on the podcast, and he told a story about working with her on that movie. And it he was, was like, great in that movie. He was so great in that movie. Yeah. And one of the nicest people. He's just one of the nicest people. Yeah. And he didn't have to be nice. Um, no, but I, I, I get the idea of coming up to somebody and say, look, I don't want to bother you, but I just want you to know. And for me, it's a sniping. You come in, you say it, you get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. And Unless you see that they want to Right, chat. exactly. Yeah, and I just told her, you know, how what inspiration she was to me. I was right. like, and at the end I go, just so you know, this really, like, made my life. Right. <laughs> She's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gene Hackman came to Second City. Oh, my God. And he had just won an Academy Award. Wow. And that was one of the things about working in Second City is like all these people that came. He had just won an Academy Award. It was a, it was a, uh, it was a, a Friday night, so two shows. So he couldn't do the set. Right. So he came to the first show. And 
we bought, came backstage and we took pictures and he signed the wall and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then I'm walking him backstage to the fire door so he uh-huh. doesn't cross the stage to get right, on right, right. the fire door. And I opened the door and like, thank you so much for coming. And he closed the door. He goes, so um, do you like working here? I'm like, um, oh yeah, I really like working here. It's a really good job. I really like it a lot. And he opened, and I opened the door. He closed the door. He goes, "Man, I miss doing theater." And we had a, probably a fifteen-minute conversation. How cool! Right? Just be a fucking human being. Yeah, that is really. I love Gene Hackman. Me too. I wish he was still acting. Yeah, he's probably in a wheelchair somewhere. He's so amazing. That is real. That is really cool. You guys it's had really a moment. Cool. We had a moment. I had, I've had a few moments. I had a, Rita Rita Moreno. I had a, few, a moment with her too. She loved my nose and and introduced me to her family. And wanted to have coffee with me the next day. Really I, lovely woman. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and what is it? Egot. She's won. Oh yeah. yeah, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Tony. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are the kind of people that again to look at them and that was one of the things when coming back out here, uh, coming out here after leaving Second City. So it was, I left here in January, I left LA, Chicago in January 95, like on July, January 5th, and I got here on the 9th or something like that. Wow. And then on the 10th- you, So you drove out. I drove up. And then on the 10th, I had, uh, I did a show in, uh, of alumni in Santa Monica. And there's George Went, who, you know, George Went. Go, yeah. George Went, he goes, hey Dave, you live here now. I'm like. You just said my name. Oh my god! You know, you know, yeah, you go, that's so How cool. do you know my name? And that—that's really cool. That's one of those e- ego things too, where you go, I, "I live in this world." Right, right. I exist in this world, and why? Why not? Right. No, it's really exciting. It is exciting, and again, it's just we're. Be, to be able to, to walk up to somebody, to be able to talk to somebody, to be able to share something with somebody. I love it more when I don't know who they are. and You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where somebody just went, oh, you know, you just had a conversation with the lead singer from, from Rage Against the Machine. I'm like, oh, did I? <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, <laughs> I made a woman cry in one of my classes and I was subbing for somebody and she was a spitting image of Paula Abdul. Uh. She just looked exactly like Paula Abdul. And in my classes, I make people cry. Not make people cry, but... You know, Are you giving, like, feedback? I'm giving feedback, really beautiful feedback. Uh-huh. And it's really great. It's not, it really is. It's <laughs> yeah. not, and not anger, and it's really great. And she started crying, and I told the guy who gave me the gig, I made a woman cry. He goes, the woman that looked like Paula Abdul? I went, yeah, yeah. He goes, that's Paula Abdul. No. Yes. That's, I had no idea. That's amazing. It's just stupid, too. I should know who these people are. <laughs> Well, you probably also don't think that Paula Abdul is going to be in your class. The, right. Right. Oh my right. God. I had, yeah, the Forever Your Girl Opposites Attract, that album, I had that on cassette. That right. is the best. And it, it's one, so the moment that you see this person, you, so many images are, 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 so many memories and emotions are connected to that one person. Yeah. They have no idea the depth of which you are connected to that person. Right, or what their work has meant to you. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so with that, that what their work has meant to you, there's, your, your cast is so female heavy. I mean, I want to say female heavy, what I mean is, it's really awesome yeah. how many women work on that show. Yes. And that, how do you feel about, how do you, how do you feel about a legacy of that? I feel really proud about it. It's, you know, our writer's room is predominantly female, which is so unusual 
just period. And, you know, we have six female executive producers on season one and two, which is crazy, and uh, six lead actresses. Right. So it's so exciting to have that. And the women are also the creators of the show. Right. So we have so much control over the show. And TV Land could not be more amazing or supportive <sighs> of, of the show, of our humor, of the vision of the show. I remember when we first got... Like, we're, we were writing the show. What, did, 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 did you start... How did you start writing the show? Did you start writing the show from, uh, you know, I have an idea? So it was a web series first. That's what I So That's So we I, were a sketch right. group in Chicago called The Katie Dids, because all of us right. are some version of Kate. And a uh, casting director who we knew, Matt Miller, came to us with the idea, because we had been doing videos to promote our shows, and just sketches and one-offs and things like that. And he came to us... One question. Yeah. Who... Did the videos? Who who literally held the camera? You hired so somebody. So we had to do different that? people. Uh-huh. The person who did the majority of the videos was a guy by the name of Bobby Richards. And you paid him to do this. He did it from the kindness of his heart. Okay, and great. This Just guy want to know. So so talented. Okay. But we had we had a bunch of different people. Chris Pagnozzi also helped us, and um, oh gosh, I'm going to forget everyone now. Don't but we had ton, we had tons of people who helped us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but we did it originally. I remember we were doing the improv shows, and I was working with a different where sketch the imp- group. Where were the improv shows? At Studio B, uh-huh. Playground Theater, Got and it. then I.O., and then we did Annoyance, and then the Second City Dining Skybox, and Woo! things like that. Super fun. Right. Yeah, and I remember I was in a different sketch group at the time, and we were doing videos. And so I said to the kids, I think we should start doing videos as a way to get people interested in coming to see the shows. Interesting. Because... You know, you have these flyers and things like that, but I think that people who don't know your names or even know you, like, by your face, um, either the flyer has to be so good that they're going to want to come see you, or... A flyer, a piece of paper? Right, right. right. Or you're going to have to show them what your humor is. Right. And then they'll go, huh, this is interesting, I want to go see this. Right. So we started doing that. um, And the videos, some of the videos kind of, like, took off. And then Matt came to us with the idea of a web series um, for teachers. We had actually approached him to direct something, and the... The project wasn't the right fit at the time. Um, and he was like, I think you guys all look like teachers. And so we were like, okay, here we go. So we all came up with our characters and we did the web series, which was 24 webisodes, uh-huh. all under two minutes and 30 seconds. Of course. And we put it online and it just took off. Like the first one took off. Two minutes and 30 seconds. So you all went, that's my attention span. Yes, because here's what we learned doing jobs that were not what we wanted to do is everyone is online watching videos and things like that but they can, at work they can only watch for a short amount of time because they're at work right so and they're on the bus they're at the bus or the you know the train and it, you have to get to the funny stuff fast and you also have to get people to pick up where you are quickly like the world of the show right so like for teachers it's so easy because it's elementary school right everyone's been to elementary school everyone knows it it doesn't need explaining so you can just get to the joke right so that's what we did. And it kind of took off right away. And then we got hooked up with William Morris. And we were working on packaging the show. And Allison Bree came on as an executive producer. And then TV Land called William Morris. And they were looking for a female-driven show that oh. took place in the workplace. And they wanted, I think, the the cast to also be the writers, you know, creators of the show. And so William Morris was like, well, you know, our agent, Alec Botnick, was like, I have something for you. And sent it to him. And so TV Land bought it. So, you so we never even pitched the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is crazy. So you were all out here at that time? No. You were in so Chicago. I, was, I, at the time, 
I'm trying to think. I just finished the main stage run, mm-hmm. and I was doing another show in the Up Theater at Second City mm-hmm. called American Mixtape. And so, but all this was happening sort of during the main stage, this part of the thing. And then when we officially sold it and could tell people was when I was doing the other show. Got it. And so there were two or three, I think three girls out at that time. Uh, three of the candidates had moved out, and the other three of us were still in Chicago. I, I, the idea of collaboration is just so phenomenal to me. The idea of finding the people that you love working with and sticking with those people, yeah. and having the shorthand to be able to talk about certain things, having the shorthand to be able to convey the inspiration you have to these other people. And one of the things that you learn in Second City, and it and it just saves your life, is the idea of I am going to tell you something. And the moment that I tell you, it's no longer mine. It's ours. Right. 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 And so I have no. I have no. There's no proprietary. There's not a feeling of this is mine. Don't fuck it up. Right. It's this is ours. We are going to craft this. Not necessarily make it better, but craft it into something that fits. And 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 for me, I what I love about everything that you just told me was, it was a perfect fucking storm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's one of those things where, you know, the whole reason why the Katie Dids, I think, are successful is because we didn't wait for people to cast us. Like, and that's the thing with Chicago, you know, I, I know, I personally, I wanted to work at Second City. And, but I, at the time when the Katie Dids started, I wasn't, I wasn't hired there. And so we decided that we were going to make it so that companies like you know um in chicago or elsewhere couldn't ignore us so it was like okay if we're not getting the stage time there we are going to create work that gets us a stage somewhere so it was on the on the internets so so that was the thing like we we wanted to show people what we could do even if we weren't getting the stage time i love the idea of you couldn't ignore us yeah. You can't ignore us. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. It was like we're gonna we're gonna do it and we're gonna create the work we wanna do and it's gonna you know, we wanna we're very passionate about it and hard workers and so we were gonna do a good job. Right. Because we loved it and we wanted to do a good job. Um I mean I just I'm gonna interrupt that. Yeah. The idea of we're going to do a good job. Nobody ever goes into anything and says I'm going to do a good job. People go into it saying, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. So, I mean of course you understand. So uh, it's that feeling when I hear people say go in there and go do a good job I'm thinking what does that even mean yeah. I mean, really what does that mean yeah. because what you're saying is this I'm giving you the permission I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you to be to be yeah yeah I guess I think what we always felt was we we're going to do a good job to us not necessarily the humor might not be everybody's cup of tea, but it's going to be ours. And so we were going to do what we liked, and it was going to be good to us. And I find that if you do that, if you do uh, what, if you if you do if you do what you like, and you're not worried about what other people are going to like, then I think that's when it works out for you. If you do what you like, and you don't worry about what anybody else likes, it's going to work out. Yeah, because I think that it's the same thing with improv, and it, I'm sure you've found this. It's like you know those times where you will cater, not cater, but like you'll you'll the I find the audiences bristle when they know that you're making a joke or trying to make a joke. They feel it and they don't like it. And I think it's the same thing. If you people can feel, even if you might not realize it, when you're not doing something that's like <clears throat> yours, right? 
you know? Right. You're, because it's not your truth. Right. And I think people pick up on it. Even if, like, I feel like there's reasons why I haven't liked something in the past, and I feel like that actually just might be it. It didn't feel like... It's about relationships. It's a relationship. So when, so if I'm in a relationship with somebody, and I, if I say I'm in a romantic relationship with somebody, and I feel that they're pandering to me, or I don't believe them, then that moment, I suddenly remove my suspension of disbelief, and I go, oh, I'm being played. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I feel like it's kind of the same thing for, yeah, comedy. Absolutely. And so, so that was the thing. It's like, you know, I don't know if other people thought we did a good job, but I think we were really proud of what we were doing. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't, because we were doing what we liked. Exactly. And you never got away, and that's replacing ambition with gratefulness. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't satisfy everybody, but what you can do is, so in an audience, certainly at Second City, when you're, when you're writing a show, one of the things that you'd realize is there's going to be a core group of people that are going to really wrap their head around what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. There's also going to be a core group of people who aren't. And right. those people that aren't don't not like you. They just might be somewhere else with their thoughts at that moment. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And either they're going to either they're going to come around or they're not going to come around. Either way, it doesn't matter. And so when I'm doing when I'm when I'm on stage, I am there for my partner. That's what I'm there for. And that's I think when you say you did a good job for us did a good job for us that's it like I am listening to you I am with you at that moment and everything else doesn't matter because really frankly and I don't know this is true for television but I don't care about the audience yeah (laughs) when I'm on stage I just don't care about the audience well I think when you start to worry about the audience is dangerous because then you start to go oh as soon as you start to go is the audience liking this is the audience having a good time is when you take yourself out so when you take yourself out then I feel like it hurts it Absolutely, because you're no longer in relationship to the person that you're in relationship to. Yeah. Now you're in relationship to the 300 blank amount of people at Second City in that main stage of of, the, of those 300 and something people. You don't know what they're thinking. You don't know what they're feeling. Right. And the moment that I take my attention away from you, yeah, my partner, um, I'm lost. Yeah. And the one person that I most need, I have just disconnected from her. Right. And you know, the other thing, though, is that we did think about, for the Cadets, we did think of it as a business. And we were always, we were always very focused on the projects we were doing at the time, but we were always thinking about the next step, too. So we were always going, okay, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. So we, you know, we created, we wanted to brand ourselves. We created a logo. We took professional photos. We got a website. We did a Facebook page. So we did all these things that were, like, business-like, you know, and maybe not, I don't know, necessarily like artistically, you know, satis- Like I, I think that as just for someone who's an artist is like, oh, I mean, it's like a website or whatever, but we were like, we have to do this. We want to get paid for this eventually. We have to treat it like a business. So that's what we did. It's so important to me because I, I talked to so many improvisers, I'm going to say improvisers, and I use that as a disparaging term, who don't think of this as a business. Yeah. And who want to... Uh, who want to make money doing this and if you want to make money doing this what are you doing to brand yourself what right. are you doing to make a name for yourself what are you what is your big picture because if you're just throwing shit together if you're up on stage I gotta tell you I don't get to dress up that much but when I do get to dress up I'm probably gonna be on stage 
Yeah. Right? Right. So I'm not going to wear these shorts, this shirt, or a shirt that says something on it, or a ratty pair of pants. I'm going to wear my nice pants, my nice shoes, because you know what? I'm representing this company, and the company is called David Rosowski. Yeah. And when I was born, there was a... A job opening for somebody named David Rosowski, and I got the job. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, I think I'm really good at you do, it. You've been doing a great job. I think I'm really doing a great job. I believe job. you. <laughs> right, right. And you, <laughs> I, right, right. And you're buying into it because you're here. So it's that idea of when you get up on stage or when you're with a group of people, please be professional. And yes. what does that mean? And that means exactly everything that you said. Professional photographs. And so when I asked you who was taking on your 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 videography your vi your videographing whatever the word yeah. is um it's not like you know hey Stu's got an iphone so he could say yes. what you no. did was somebody fell in love with y'all and again perfect storm someone fell in love with y'all and said i will do what it is that's needed to be done here yeah bobby was in i think katie carlton and caitlin's like 5b teams at uh -huh. io I like so it. they got to be friends with them uh -huh. um with him and so yeah and, and he had professional equipment right. and Bobby is like an incredible like actor writer director in his own right and so yeah but people he didn't are, have to help us and here's another thing people are attracted to that people, I, I'm attracted to people who have their shit together I'm attracted to that because I feel like I got my shit together and if there's a moment where I start doubting myself I am ultimately responsible for me not moving taking that that step forward that I am that is somebody saying come on come on come on right yeah. Well, I think Bobby also felt like, and he's told us this, that it was a good opportunity for his work to get out there. Absolutely. So, you know, he edited everything and, you know, he was so great with us giving him notes and, and, and he would always send these great edits to us to begin with. Um, but yeah, he, he it was also a great, um, you know, outlet for him and to show for him to get other jobs because he did get other jobs from it too, which, and is, that's a, right. which is good. That's great. Yeah, I, I we owe him that, a lot. I don't know that that... I don't know. I don't know him, but I don't know that that was his reason for doing it. No, it I wasn't. Think, right, yeah, it he's wasn't. just a nice guy. Well, it's it's that, and it's also because there are a lot of nice guys. He's a nice, as you said, he's a nice guy. But what he also is is he's a professional. He loves what it is that he's doing. Yeah. He wants to partner with you because that's what we do. We want to partner with people who uh, we want to partner with people who are inspiring to us, mm -hmm. and that's what I love doing. Those people that are Eors, I want to go. You know what? It, I, it, at the beginning, I thought this could work, and I thought your Eeyore bit was just a bit, but you are Eeyore to your core, yeah. and it ain't gonna work. Yeah, yeah. No, I know you. The the Eeyore stuff can always seem like a bit at first, but it's usually not. It's usually not. It's usually <laughs> not. And there are some people that are Eeyores, and yet the moment that they hit the stage, you go, "Oh, well, you brought it." Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. That's a rare person. A clutch player. Yeah. A clutch like uh, you know Jackie Hoffman. I, I know the name. Okay, Are we Jackie, from like Howard Stern? Uh, Isn't that Jackie? Jackie the Joke Man? No, no wait. No, no, no. Jackie Hoffman's a woman. She was on main stage at Second City. I get City, her last name wrong. But no. she was in Feud. Did no, you watch Feud? I need to. Okay, good. She was in Feud. Watch her. She plays Mamacita. She was in my company. She was in touring company with me. Oh. She was at IO. She was on my Herald team. So we're going way back. Got so, it. you know, Jackie's like, ah. But the moment that you hit the stage, she, you did not want anyone but Jackie to be with you. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, I have to look her up. Oh, you'd love her. I'm sure I've seen her. I'm sure I've seen videos of oh, her. Oh, you've seen her. And, and uh, you know, she not just videos, but she's, she's fucking all over. Well, you know, because Second City, when you're studying the scenes, gives you the DVDs. Right. So I have I have old DVDs of you. You do? I do. What I do. do. You have? Well, I have, okay, CIA, but you guys had a different name for it. You guys called it... We called it CIA. Veranda, right? Well, Veranda was what the name was for the... When, when you went... It's called Veranda... For opening night. Got and it. And then it becomes Veranda later. Okay. So you have that CIA scene. I'm oh, looking yeah. for that scene. Yeah, yeah, I might yeah. Have to borrow that from Yeah. You. Yeah. I got it all. I love that. <laughs> so Jackie was in that show. Uh-huh. Um, she, but you'll, she's great. She's yeah. Just Google Jackie Hoffman and you'll go, oh yeah, that lady. Yeah. Um, but I loved working with her and she, she's, she's just awesome. She's awesome. Uh, you know, and there's some people that you work with and you go, oh, he's really, really nice. That's got to be a bit. And then it's not a bit and they're really nice. No, it's amazing. Like, do you know Edgar Blackman? No. He he was on the, well, you do because you met him that night. He was on the main stage. Okay. He has, he is just, there's just something about him. Like, he just, he has like this twinkle in his eye. It's almost like a cartoon. Bing! Like, you just, <laughs> like, there's something about him that you just... Like, you love him. Right. Like, you just, you know him, you see him, and you love him. Like, he just, he sparkles. Right. Yeah. And th- and again, those people are inspiring. Yeah. Those people are inspiring. And when you see them, and this is a really huge thing, too, the, the uh, someone will walk, someone will walk into a room, and they'll take your breath away. And they'll take your breath away for two, for a myriad of reasons, but only will say two reasons. One is, they're here. And another one is, they're here. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> your brothers change. You have a kinesthetic response to their entrance, and 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 they may or may not be aware of giving that off. But I want I want to. It's not even that I want to be the first guy, the the former guy. But I do know people that are the latter guy, and they don't have to be the latter guy. Right. They don't have to be the guy where somebody goes. Oh, it was okay <laughs> until Carlo came in. Right. <laughs> Carlo. That's a good name, Carlo. It's a really good name. <laughs> Until Carlo came in, right? Yeah. Oh. You're having a great time. Until, yeah. Carlo. It's like that Oscar Wilde quote. Some, I'm going to butcher it, but some cause joy wherever they go, others whenever they go. <laughs> That's really true. It is. That's really true. And every exit, every, every exit is the beginning of a scene. Like whenever somebody leaves, I do this exercise in, I do this exercise when I'm teaching and the exercise is this, there used to be a, I, so I had this idea for a workshop and it was called the power of your exit. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is leave a scene. Yeah. Just leave the scene. Right. And when I, when I, I put a description of my, uh, my classes out for somebody who wants to have me teach with them, um, no one ever took that class. No one ever really? bought it. Because people... Because they wanted to be on stage. Oh, they wanted to be on stage. <coughs> so then I changed it to the power of your presence. I just changed the name, and it sold. That class. I was about to say, yeah. So it's the same class, but it's about leaving. Right. So the thing is, I remember, like, at the beginning of a scene, leave, and know that your leaving is one of the best gifts that you can give somebody. Yeah. Have the confidence to go. Have the confidence to go. Right. Have the confidence to go. Yeah. Um, and the people that I again I love playing with people who have balls yeah and who are inspiring in, in that way yeah in that way um, when 
when you all get together in in the in the writers' room, mm-hmm. right? Um, how are how are the what is it that you you love best about that process? Well, I think one of the things that's most fun is when people come in with ideas for the characters and like storyline ideas because sure ideas for their characters or for other characters. everybody's got it. So. Because we'll try to we we try to bring in stuff for everyone's characters, like not just our own. Mm. And it's so it's when it, it's a lot of like improv stuff, like not to get cheesy, but it is yes and. I mean, sometimes things you know won't work. We'll be like, oh, I don't think we can do that. But there are times where it's like yes, and then you add a little bit to it or you tweak it in some way. And and it was great. I I, I can't remember how it worked. There was one plot line. I can't remember who brought it in, but it was about. Um, uh, the character of Feldman taking on another job and then we added on the piece that the reason why she's taking another job is because teachers are so underpaid and so you know then it became like a whole other thing because it was a commentary on how teachers are so underpaid but then um, you know there's like another layer to it that is I don't know I feel like more universally understood by people it's right. like teachers are not paid enough and now this woman is working in a sub shop um, because she's not paid enough I, the episode that I watched was really about worth, self-worth. The idea of that one, the end of that season one, right? Yeah. It was about self-worth. It was because there were a lot of people who were having, like, your character not being invited to that that party, the solstice party, right? right. <laughs> and what I loved about that was so seldom, so, not so seldom, seldom would you see someone, a character like that, saying why didn't you invite me yeah because she's all about status my character right yeah she is and um yeah and it really bothered her that someone who i think that she usually wouldn't want to be at her party the fact that she wasn't invited right uh, yes bothered her absolutely because she might not she probably wouldn't have gone it's not just that it invited. bothered her it was also it yes it bothered her one that's great yeah but that that character said why wasn't i invited yeah i and and to have that interaction between two people because really what I'm looking for is when I'm watching somebody I want to go when when I'm watching somebody on stage or an improv scene whatever I want you to do something that I would never do yeah. I want you to say something that I would never say. Not to get the laugh, but to get the human side of what it is that we're yeah. doing. Yeah, and I think everyone understands that. It's that feeling of being, like, left out. Yeah, so she was really hurt. Right, right. She was really hurt, and she stated it, and um, and she stated it. That's the whole thing. She said it. She said it. I want people to say what they're feeling in the moment they're feeling it because you could have easily that episode could easily have been about you pouting and then at the end going well what I really wanted was but that didn't happen no I was drunk for the majority of the episode I totally understand and for the majority (laughs) of the film Um, yes but I had a great acting teacher actually because I was really nervous about being drunk because you Mm -hmm. know there's I was thinking about you being drunk on that. Yeah. I was thinking about the way that you portrayed that. I had um I had a great acting coach because I was nervous about it. Her name's Anna Campbell, and she told me to pretend like I wasn't drunk, and I was like, oh, because she's like, that's what drunk people do all the time. Drunk people always try to pretend like they're not drunk. Right. And she's like, so if you really try not to be drunk, and who knows if I was successful or not, but she was like, that will be the ticket. Right. So I just tried to pretend like I wasn't drunk the whole time. Just tried to pretend that I wasn't drunk the whole time. Yeah. I just pretended that I wasn't. You didn't try to pretend that you weren't drunk. You 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 pretended that you weren't drunk. I'm removing yes. the try. Yes. 
I pretended I wasn't drunk. You pretended. I, I, and that word try always stands out, always stands out to me. Yeah. Because yeah. the moment that you try, yeah. I don't understand what try means. It seems like a, a placeholder in a sense. Yeah. Well, I was worried about it because I was like, oh, God. Because, you know, you see like sometimes with movies and TV and it's like, oh, that's, you know, oh, God. Oh, please don't let me be this person that is so obviously a fake drunk. Well, but, you look um, at Mad Men. Did I, you watch Mad Men? Here's the thing. I need to watch Mad Men. I started to watch the first season. I want to be on the show so bad for the costumes oh, alone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, but aren't they drinking a ton on that show, right? Well, they're drinking a ton on that. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. They're drinking so much. They're just so drinking on that show. They're <laughs> yeah. just always drinking on that show. Yeah. And very seldom are they sloshed. Right, right. They're usually just getting by. Right. And when you said, when you said, I, you have to remember that I was drunk during that episode, or whether it was uh, your character was drunk during that episode, that made me go, oh, yeah, right. All the characters were drunk in Mad Men all the time. Yeah. Uh. I once got high before a show, a Second City show. I got high once. Oh, my God. How once. did you do that? Oh, my God. Kate, it was just stupid. Oh, my God. We had God. a gig at the Palmer House. At oh, the yeah. Palmer House. We had, no, it was... It was uh, downtown? It was downtown. And it was a huge, one of those huge gigs for who the fuck knows where oh they put risers in a corner. And I got high before the show with, with a couple of the actors who can get high before the show, but obviously I learned you couldn't get high. And yeah. I got high and I went up on my lines. And I oh. was the guy that was setting up everybody. No. First scene no. out. First scene was out. Was everyone so pissed at you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! And that was the first time Rose Abdu was in. Do you know who Rose? Yeah. Is? Yeah, Rose was. That was her. That was the first time that I worked with Rose, and she doesn't remember it, but I clearly remember Rose going, "What's happening?" I thought David was good, and going, <laughs> "Oh no, no, no!" Oh god, what a nightmare! Total nightmare. Ugh. And you do that once, and you go, "Can't now do, that I do this anymore." Can't yeah. do that anymore. Mm-mm. But, you know, again, looking back on all those times and the, the education that I got from Second City that have helped me in so many different ways. Yeah. Really, really helped me in different ways. And and, and thoughts will and, and I, uh, thoughts will come into my head or I'll see somebody on TV and I go, oh, I really love working with that person. I really love that. I love working with that person. I love uh, uh, what I got from them because I'm getting something from everybody that I'm working with. Yeah. That's true. Everybody. Well, thank you so much for chatting. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for being had. That's my worst joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's my pleasure. Oh, uh, good. Thank you. If you do what you like and you don't worry about what anybody else likes, it's going to work out. That's some awesome advice, Ms. Lambert. Uh, thank you again, Kate, for coming by. Kate's got a classic Not My Finest Hour coming up after these announcements. On September 4th, Carrie Clifford and I will be doing Rosowski and Clifford at I.O. West. September 8th through the 10th, I'm back for a weekend workshop with the fine folks at A.N.D. in NYC. October 6th through the 8th, I'm back in Auckland, New Zealand for a weekend intensive with Thespionage. And October 13th through the 15th, I'll be in Christchurch, New Zealand. Crazy. <laughs> and as always, I acting my online acting classes. If you live somewhere, chances are I'll be teaching there. All workshop information at davidrozowski.com. ADD Comedy with davidrozowski.com is produced by Laura Parker and me. Send questions and comments to dave at addcomedy.com. Here's Kate Lambert's Not My Finest Hour. 
And now, Kate Lambert's Not My Finest Hour. Okay. Okay. Um, so when I got out of college, I worked at Marshall Fields in Chicago. I love Marshall Fields. Yes, RIP. It's now Macy's. I know, yeah. Uh, but they still have the Frango Mints, or at least they did when I was there. So uh, I worked there because I was supposed to be auditioning, but I wasn't auditioning because I was too scared. So I was there. From where did you move? Well, I went to college in uh, North Carolina at Wake Forest, Mm -hmm. but my parents were in a suburb of Chicago. So I came back to Chicago um, just for the summer because I was supposed to move to New York, but my plans fell through. So I wound up moving into the city and I got a job at Marshall Fields. And I worked in an area of the store called Structured Career, which meant, you know, basically like businesswoman like clothes. So anyway, so the job was very hard because it was 100% commission. So if, you know, people return things, they take the money away from you, but they'll pay you a certain amount an hour, like is how it works. So even if you don't make that, they'll give it to you, but then you'll owe it back. So the job was like hard. And I was, uh, for bathroom breaks, we would have to like, you know, go quickly and then go back because, you know, you don't want to lose money. Um, So I was going down with one of my friends that I worked with who had a very high voice and she and I were going to the bathroom um, in the designer section which was like the really nice luxury bathroom. So you would walk into the bathroom and there would be like a little hallway and then you would turn to the left and then there would be like all the stalls in like the bathroom area. So we walk into the hallway and the smell like slaps us in the face like you know in like the cartoons where that like the smoky smell hand like hits people it was that and I started coughing it was so like the shit smell was like so pungent I started coughing and uh this woman is behind us and she's going oh my god oh my god that smell and then I'm like god this is really strong like how is this so strong and then she looks down and she goes, oh my God, it's everywhere. And we look down and someone as Hansel and Gretel pooped their way out of the bathroom. And so I am like, oh my God, oh my God. And then the woman behind us goes, somebody stepped in it. And I go, oh, it better not be me. It better not be me. So I'm like checking my shoes and I'm like, I'm safe, I'm safe. And so we like bolt out of the bathroom and my friend, she starts scraping her boots on the ground and then she goes oh no and there is like skid marks coming off of her boots and I start laughing so hard I start crying and I'm like sliding down the wall and then the woman who's behind us I guess knew people in the bathroom and she throws open the door and she's like Janet Claire get out of there get out of there it's everywhere (laughs) Like, the shit is going to, like, go together like the Terminator, you know, and, like, get this woman. So I thought it was so unbelievable. I was like, you know, as if the job wasn't hard enough. I was like, okay, I'm out of here. So I walk out of the bathroom. I see one of the store managers, and I'm like, just so you know, there's poop everywhere. And then I went back to the shop. (laughs) Uh, The descriptions are great. (laughs) Thank you. No problem. (laughs) 